This is Kanzen Shu, the podcast episode 481 for the week of May 24th, 2020. Hello, welcome back to Kanzenshu, the podcast, an extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball fan site, Kanzenshu. We cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. Hey, it's Mike. That's me. Uh, I'm back in your ears for a big old review episode. We are covering Dragon Ball Z Kakarot this week, uh, the latest game for the Dragon Ball franchise, whose genre is up for debate. Uh, Ken and Randy will be joining me for that. Uh, I have already recorded, edited uh, that entire segment, and it's over an hour long, so I know I have a full podcast episode for you right here, so I will not belabor the point. Let's jump right into that review segment, and I will hit you on the flip side to wrap things up. Better late than never, we are here to talk about the Kakarots. All right, so I haven't done a video game review in a little bit now. I think I missed a game or two. So I'm excited to jump back into talking about a game that's uh, it's been out for a little bit. We're actually into the first bit of DLC, but I like this. Like it's most reviews are day one and it's those early impressions. We've had time, uh, actually kind of like a variety of time frames on here to either sit and, and think about it, digest it, or just wrap it up and jump right into it. So let me go around. Uh, I am Mike. I am still Mike. Um, next up, we have friend of the site, wiki editor, uh, previous podcast guest, uh, also a video game streamer in a past life, I believe. Ken, welcome back. Uh, hey. Just hey, that's all you got for me. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we got a lot to get to. Okay, <laughs> all right. Trying to keep me on track here. A uh, friend of the site, maybe a wiki editor, uh, also a previous past podcast guest, previous past, I, that doesn't make sense. Uh, also a video game streamer and a past life himself. Randy, welcome back to the show. Hi, nice to be here. Um, I guess technically wiki editor because I did uh, like one afternoon, no, two afternoons of stuff. And I've, I've been busy pre- preparing for this. So, Oh, excellent. Well, you know what? It's If it's something for the site in any way, you know, it's all good. Gentlemen, I, I bring you here to talk about Kakarot, which is, I, I guess, the latest game for the Dragon Ball franchise. It's out on PlayStation 4, the Xbox One, the PC. To set the stage, I played on PlayStation 4. Ken, you played on PC? I did, yeah. Uh, Randy, how about you? I also played on PC. Well, now this is important. Randy, which controller did you use? Uh, I I was using the Xbox One uh, Elite Series 2 controller. Look at you, uh, fancy pants. I, I know. As you know, it's nice to have. So what did you uh, think having to switch between the right button and then whatever that other button is called for flying? Jeez, I'm trying to remember because it's... Is it like R1 to like start flying? Either way, I would always screw it up of like what I was going to, what I was trying to do. Well, I got really used to it. So in the game, right, you fly using the two R buttons and I got used to it on the PS4 controller, which is how I played. Mm-hmm. And then when I went back to revisit the game last night, I was on a 360 controller and it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's the thing. So... I right before the game came out, I was playing the original Red Dead Redemption, which I had never played up to that point. I don't have much to say about it. And then Kakarot came out. Incidentally, Red Dead 2 just came out on Game Pass. I'm like, eh, you know what? I'm going to play that. So I've been playing on an Xbox controller. I cannot tell you how goddamn confusing it is. Like, I know what the buttons are, but I'm a Nintendo <laughs> child. So... A, B, X, Y, and what their placements are, I see that, I have a muscle memory, and I don't know what RB versus RT is, I just have no idea. 
Yeah, it's tough. I mostly switch back and forth between PC and Switch. So yeah, it's a nightmare. Well, what's especially nice about uh, Kakarot on PC is that you can change the button prompts to be uh, PlayStation buttons. Just put in so the I PS4 was, prompts. <laughs> it was wonderful, yeah. <laughs> all right. I'm glad we got that all out of the way. First things truly first here. As usual, we're going to try to be comprehensive, but we can't necessarily spend five hours talking. So if we Aww. forget <laughs> to mention something, it's not necessarily that we indeed forgot to say it. Maybe we did actually forget it. But our cover here is... You know, you can't mention every single little detail. We're going to try to do the best we can. Uh, I will say also we're going to do spoilers. And in a game that is ostensibly Raditz taboo, spoilers, Goku wins at the end, the Earth is saved. Uh, but we will mention some of the side missions and some of those extra inclusions there. So, all right, the, the all the housekeeping being done. What is Kakarot? So this is a game developed by CyberConnect2. They are known for their previous work on the Naruto games. Um, those specific games themselves, known for their very cinematic presentation. Uh, CyberConnect2 has been a developer that uh, I would say a large base of Dragon Ball fans have been wishing for many years based on the, the visual strength of those Naruto games in particular. Uh, they loved for them to get a stab at the Dragon Ball franchise. And, and here we go. This is actually what we have. It's CyberConnect2 doing a, let's say, visual, cinematically impressive take on the Dragon Ball franchise. Uh and so what actually is this game in, term, uh, in terms of a genre? And, and I promise I'm going to let you guys talk in just a second, but let me just give you Mike's thesis, Mike's preamble here. This game is pegged as, in Japanese, a Goku experience action RPG. Let's just stop it right there. This is a fighting game, and much like... Dimps and Bandai Namco won't commit to a real MMO and they dress up Xenoverse with raids and drops. And that's still a fighting game. This is even more heavily dolled up to resemble this uh, this faux open world RPG. But it is just that it is dressing and it's just the latest franchise example in this decades old. Everything's got to be an RPG. All right. Now you guys talk. Fight me on that. Uh I don't have anything to say against that. It's pretty much like an, a faux open world RPG, but with like arena fighter fighting combat. To me, this game is what people try to, what they try to call the spike games when they say, oh, it's a Dragon Ball Z simulator. No, yeah, yeah. those are not. This is. <laughs> this is. <laughs> yeah, and it comes across, I feel like in combat wise, it's been a couple of years, but it feels similar to like a Xenoverse once like the combat starts mm -hmm. um, where you've got, a uh, very uh, small amount of choices for your attacks and, and your movement, of course, is in 3D rather than something like fighters where you're on a 2D field. I feel like it literally is like if the buttons are just rotated clockwise, like 90 degrees or something like. Yeah, pretty much the exact same control scheme. Yeah. Pressing circle to punch just didn't feel right. Yeah, I agree. It should be key attack, right? I initially played this game as a demo at uh, now. I can't remember. Was it New York Comic Con? It, it was something in the Javits Center because I've been to three different conventions there. I can't actually remember which specific event it was there. <laughs> and I came away thinking at the time, like, uh, oh, you know, this this is actually a fighting game. And yeah, like I flew over there to fight Raditz and, and in that particular demo, uh, Namu's Village was there. And I, I don't remember if that exact location is right there in, in the final version of the game. But like I could see what they were doing there and it had me a little worried heading into the final version of the game. And I feel like what I saw there in the demo truly was exactly what I got there and that it was very fetch quest heavy 
uh, but also very chill at the same time. Like there's a lot of downtime in the game. In fact, the game's story mode purposely gives you like times of peace to go do just stuff that you want to go do, which I thought was really, really interesting. I find myself getting really into chill games. Like I loved Red Dead Redemption 2 and Death Stranding and this. And yeah, it's, I'm glad this game is what it is because I feel at every turn when Bamco, I'm, Bandai Namco was yep, do it. <laughs> showing this. I'm just going to Bamco. When they were showing this in trailers, I thought this looked like the most mid experience ever. And mm-hmm. I I ended up only playing the game for the wiki. I, I, God, I was going to say, I remember it kind of almost being like a challenge at that point, like a, a begrudging, all right, fine, I'm going to go play it. You know, maybe I'll document some stuff. And then you, you started a little bit ahead of me. And I think you were consistently ahead of me by like, Maybe a week or so, I think, when you finished it versus when I finished it. And every step along the way, you're like, God damn it. All right. This is all right. God damn it. All right. This is all right. Yeah. It was when I look back on this game, it's, I was saying, you know, for a while, Kakarot's my game of the year, which wasn't saying much. Uh, <laughs> it's not anymore. Final Fantasy VII Remake is, but Kakarot for me ended up being that level of something that I just enjoyed so much that it would even be a contender. Wow. Wow. Huh. Uh, Randy, what was your approach kind of going into it? You came, you're the most recent, you just wrapped it up. Uh, yeah. I don't want to say you played it just for the podcast, but we certainly strung yeah. it along there. I mean, that's kind of how it happened. You had asked if uh, I had played it uh, to talk on the show. I'm like, I haven't, but I guess I'll pick it up right now. It was recently um, on sale too, so that helped. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I decided to jump into it eventually. Like, you know, I watched it as it was being developed and coming out and it, mildly excited me um i mean i'll play like any dragon ball game i can get my hands on but uh it wasn't something that i needed to like pre-order like this is what i want to get this is what i want to be playing this day for like weeks on out so it just it just came up to be like this is the uh, right time to play and uh you know slight time constraint because i felt like i don't want to keep people waiting so let's just get to it and i and i plowed through it in the course of three weeks maybe but that sounds about right yeah, and I put a I put a lot of time into it. Like that was my thing. I, I would get home, and that would be what I would do. I feel like you actually did more of the side missions than I did. Your your kind of end time was longer than mine was. Uh, you just mentioned following along with the promotion, the development, and stuff. Uh, something I want to kind of get in front of here was as we saw the game especially early on. It really seemed like this was going to be a Cyan Arc and a Frieza Arc game. And they just were not committing, kind of like Dragon Ball Kai. They were not committing <laughs> to anything beyond that uh, for a very, very long time. It felt like until very, very late in the promotion cycle and then leading up to the release, did we see that this was going to include the Cell arc and and the Boo arc. Uh, and and I f- we'll talk about this. I, I feel like maybe that's reflected in the development and what you see uh, in the final product there. Again, before we get into some more of the very game game specific stuff, that idea right there, uh, Raditz to Boo, this is something that's come up. Uh, I've been doing the podcast for a very long time. When the podcast started, the first game that we talked about on the podcast was the first sparking game, the first Budokai Tenkaichi on PS2. Um, the podcast is that old. Never mind the the, uh, the website as a whole. I've been playing these games for a very, very long time. The idea of playing the story of the show, uh, playing Raditz Taboo, because the games tend to focus on the Z era of the story. That's something I got very, very, very overdone on 
for a very, very long time. Multiple generations of games, um, console and handheld covering all of that material. My feelings have really shifted on that. Uh, I'm starting to come around and acknowledge that there's a, a younger audience that didn't have that experience of multiple console generation cycles of playing that story. And so for them to now have one, like that didn't that didn't take away from oh we're getting a Dragon Ball game oh it's just Raditz Taboo and I think it helps that we also have things like Fighters still on the market as well. Uh, how'd you guys come into um, approaching it that way, Randy? I'll start with you. Sure, um, I had similar feelings um, to kind of how you came around to where it's like well you know there's a younger generation that hasn't had this inundated like year to year release and we've kind of had a break like I said with yeah. Fighters Super Dragon Ball Heroes um, mixing right. things up. Um, so, you know, it wasn't that bad, you know, it actually felt like it had been a while. I mean, Xenoverse two feels like the most recent thing. And I was from four years ago. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's, that's enough of a break. That's fine. And you know, it's a, it's kind of a a classic storyline to go through and there's a lot of uh, neat things that happen and, you know, it makes it a lot easier. I would think for the development team, they don't have to work on coming up with a story because sometimes when you do, (laughs) it's kind of falls flat like fighters does. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I never finished that story mode. Ken, how about yeah. you? <laughs> the uh, the Raditz Taboo conundrum. Yeah, it's been a while for me. Uh, I think maybe Tenkaichi 3 or one of the Supersonic Warriors was maybe the last time. Uh, yeah. And then I've played Xenoverse and Xenoverse 2 and Fusions and Fighters. and But even then, I was not looking forward to doing Raditz and Taboo again. And when I think about this game, I'm like, oh God, if they make a Kakarot 2, what are the odds that it's just Raditz taboo again, (laughs) like what they did with the Tenkaichi games. That's well, you know what? Even Xenoverse, because Xenoverse two was largely the exact same thing all over again, maybe slightly different missions. And now the underlying villain is different, but it was still, (laughs) you started a Raditz and you ended with boo there. Yeah. It's framed differently, which it was enough for me to overlook that. I think something that would have been interesting because CyberConnect two had done the previous Naruto games and they at least had the, um, I would say uh, the nice thing of the manga wasn't finished yet, so they could do mm. different arcs as different games and kind of really put some more um, time into those parts where, you know, as we were being shown this game, it was like, is this just like, you know, the Cyan arc and, and Frieza? It's like, oh, I don't know, maybe this could be like the Ninja Storm games where they're just going to do mm. one game is this, another game is this. And, you know, without uh, throwing all the cards on the table for my thoughts, I think it would have benefited from that personally. I think so. Uh, not to get too far down this road, but I mean, logical answer there might just be a Dragon Ball Super game, which we don't have. We don't have a story that's uh, Beerus to Jiren. <laughs> I hate to find something. <laughs> that's such a that's weird thing really to say. <laughs> it's really weird to say. Uh, all right, so let's let's get back to like the overall game as a whole. We do start out with the the Raditz fight there's let's talk about the story um going Raditz to boot but there's there's so much side stuff uh I did mention some of this downtime the the time of peace uh side stories this it's following the very traditional formula of side missions are go find three of this or literally go capture four deer <laughs> and, and get the orbs and bring those back. There's a lot of that kind of stuff, uh, but there's also a lot of fun writing in the side stories. And I feel like I, I want to focus on the side stories because I mean, you go fight Raditz, you, you, you defeat Raditz and you move on. You fight Vegeta and you move on. Um, were there any side stories in particular that you guys kind of latched onto or thought were fun uh, recurring bits in there? Ken, we'll start with you. 
I loved running into the Pilaf crew over and over again. Yeah. And just the way that sometimes they'd just be standing there talking amongst themselves as you'd be, they'd be giving you a clue that maybe something's in this cave. And, and then that, uh, I think his name is Milone. The oh, that, that was mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We determined his name is Suika in Japanese, but just, you know, because for me, I'm so wiki minded. I'm like, oh, I get to add a new character into this list we have. <laughs> right. and, and just all the, uh, there were some I didn't get to do because, you know, I tried to do as much side stuff as possible, but every now and again, you trigger a story mission and then right. you couldn't do other stuff. Yeah, I never I never found a Raleigh. Oh, I think I I found her, but yeah, I missed out on Crane Hermit and mm. and Tao Pai Pai. Oh, they they were great. I love that storyline. <laughs> Randy, how about you? Um, who'd you run into? Who'd you enjoy? You sure. Um, uh, ex, uh, going more on Malone, um, I thought that was uh, just a really great story, and I, I got really excited that I got to see him again later on because he has a continued story, right. but the writing for that was, was pretty great and kind of um, felt like the writers were really enjoying what they were doing. And they really kind of kept with the usual Toriyama humor of um, giving you something that where you expect where it's going to go and then completely coming out of nowhere, going in a different direction where uh, he's a Frieza force soldier who tasks you with getting um, these fruits that increase your strength several fold, as well as uh, this uh, really strong nut to make something. And you're like, all right, you're, on Namek, you go and you look for this stuff and you give it to him and he eats the fruit and he's, you know, instantly becomes stronger. He's like, all right, I'm really strong and now I can do anything. And they react to, oh no, now we've got a new big bad to fight. But instead he uses that strength to break that nut open so he can use it as an ingredient to make uh, fruit juice. (laughs) (laughs) It was great. Um, The uh, other aliens that were tourists that were checking out different places was also pretty good. Um, I too missed out on the Tao Pai Pai stuff because I think it depended on a uh, side quest early on in the game. And I wasn't really sure of when I could go do them and when they would come to an end. So I, I would always run into them around the world, but you can't initiate that quest line. You can't talk to them and get more than a couple of lines of dialogue. So I uh, gotcha. Yeah, it was a real bummer. How about Yamcha? Did you guys do that side quest? Do it with his girlfriends? Yes. Yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> so Same, when yeah. that started, I thought we were going to do reincarnated as Yamcha. Like, I felt like that's how they were leading us, but that totally wasn't what it was. And I'm oh, not that sure. That would have been great. I'm not, I'm not sure how I feel about that. Like, I, I would have liked them to acknowledge that story, but I also liked what they did uh, in the end with him there. I thought it was weird that they seemed like they were developing this relationship between Yamcha and Gohan that was never there in the original series. And the whole game, is a, the whole story to me felt like it was more framed as Gohan's story than a Kakarot story. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you yeah. just go on far more often than anyone else. Yeah. There's a lot of side stuff. Um, let's, this kind of ties in kind of what we're doing on the wiki, the expanded Toriyama lore. This really feels like this is the canon game with the supplemental canon material. Cause if it's developed by Toriyama, it feels like it's in here. So we get things like, Again, total spoilers here. Uh, 21, she's in the game. Uh, Bone Yu, uh, an all-new character designed by Toriyama. So yeah, it's exclusive to this. Uh, things like the the background story behind uh, Dr. Garrow's son. Uh, that's acknowledged in here. Like, all these random little things that Kanzenju has had translated up in, like, this is just an interview from the back of the full-color manga in Japan. All of this stuff suddenly resurfaced in Kakarot, and it was incredibly weird to play through, <laughs> like, a new product that's not just a text file on the website. 
There were also parts in the Z encyclopedia when, as I would unlock certain terms or, or whatever, and I'd read them, I'd be like, man, this sounds almost word for word of what is in the entries in the guidebooks. Yeah. And it's like for Kaioken, it talks about how Kaio developed it, but only Goku can use it. And that exact sentence, as <laughs> however it actually is in Japanese, is right, right. in there. And so, you know, they just had books upon books upon books open in front of them when they were adding in all this little stuff. So I feel like that's kind of that. What's the phrase I'm looking for? Like the attention to detail, the truly like a, a showcase of love for the franchise and acknowledgement of all this extra stuff. Did that come through or was it just kind of like more of that surface dressing that I was talking about earlier? Like, did it feel like it fit into the world or was it just an entry in an encyclopedia? It definitely was sort of a labor of love and it uh, definitely took some work to go through. And Thank you. And labor of love. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> God, Mike. <laughs> it's okay. We're all getting old. Um, <laughs> where they actually had to sit through and they they looked through all the stuff and like, what cool things could we throw in here that people might actually not have heard of before yeah. um, or things that they have? And they're like, well, that's cool, but that feels very supplemental and it's not actually part of the series. And to work it in here is very nice. Um, so it, it felt like a cool bit of world building. There's a lot of things in there um, because of how detailed they were. I'm wondering for things that kind of are against what I can remember. I'm like, am I remembering something wrong? Or is this a change that they decided to make uh, in the game? Or is it from an interview where it's like, oh, that's what that was. I think the attention to detail makes the flubs that much worse mm. because they spent all this time researching and adding in all this great stuff to the story. But then you totally miss out on the trunks and cell fight. And <sighs> there's weird stuff about Piccolo blowing up the moon or it being an illusion or something. And so just there's a weird balance of, man, this is so cool. And then, but why did this get messed up? So two of the things I want to mention here, and this is a, a couple issues of V Jump Ago, and I just, Julian translated stuff, and I just <laughs> didn't get around to putting it up on the site. And I do intend to. And it's two items that are all new to this story, but are original from Toriyama. Uh, the, the one dealing with Gohan's tail growing back, and the other, the animal people. And... Uh, so the, this, the new line of inquiry into the secret of the tales, there was no clear answer from Vegeta, but he arrived at the idea that they've gained so much power, there's no need to become a giant monkey anymore. And the other with the animal people, not just the existence of animal people, but this anima line, um, as it was called in Japanese, but what was it in English? Anamorpholine, something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, in the world of Dragon Ball, humans coexist alongside beastmen, as well as creatures like Oolong and Puar. The one who rules over them all is the king of the world. He appears when Piccolo takes over the world, as well as just before the Cell game. And uh, new concept here. The king of the world is a former human. So yes, not just that the king of the world is a dog, but was in fact a former human and took this drug <laughs> to become that. It just seems so unnecessary because in the actual like side quest for that stuff, Oolong talks about how he's not someone who ever did that. Yeah, it seems like they wanted to add lore where there wasn't where it's like why it could just be you know toriyama got bored and wanted to do different character designs for background characters like yeah. just leave it as that was is, definitely you know? one of the the needless ones there and that's the it's kind of the problem with these various interviews over the years where it's do we need to know that does does that expand the world does that shrink the world does that ruin something that we just didn't need to know about before but this really does feel like the expanded toriyama 
canonical lore, up through and including, again, spoilers, I didn't get to them, though, uh, Toa and Mira, which are original Toriyama creations from uh, Dragon Ball Online that continue to be mined uh, for literally every game <laughs> out there. Um, I don't know what else there is to say. Like, it just felt, yes, like a Toriyama world. And can do you think those flubs can, like, fit in <laughs> with that idea? Like, a Toriyama world can't be self-consistent and perfect. As someone who is trying to work their way through the timeline, that just doesn't work. Maybe that is perfect here? I, Yeah, I'm more worried about people taking what is said in this game so seriously. As that if something that happens in this game somehow overwrites what's been previously known. I don't know. Is that really a problem? I think on Twitter a while ago, people were upset about somehow Vegeta getting Super Saiyan God. And it's like, it's a game. It's a very good game. Just don't worry about it. With the DLC there. I felt like it was weird. And maybe I missed something here. But, um, you know, in the lead up to uh, the game coming out, they were talking about all the new additions they've had, like Bone Yu being added as like the mysterious sixth uh, Ginyu Force. Oh, member. right. And, and then it's just a fucking computer data record thing. Yeah, well, I I just bought it, you know, a month ago, so I don't have the day one DLC, and I wasn't going to pay however much they wanted for it. So I was like, oh, I'll be fine. And then, yeah, the only thing that I had was when I um, revived the Ginyu Forest with the Dragon Balls, as they mentioned her as a possible person to fill out the ranks since they don't have Ginyu around anymore. And that was it. I'm like, that's okay. It was just a DLC thing, or you just get nothing. You get This is your bone that you get. And it no, was that- very weird. There's not much more to it. It's that you you bring something back to Capsule Corporation and you uh, actually to number 21 <laughs> of all people <laughs> and, and you fight this like past historical data record version of Bone You and it's just a fight that you can fight on multiple difficulty levels. I only did the first one or two. I, maybe there's a harder one. Uh, maybe you get something more interesting out of it down the road. But yeah, it, it didn't live up to what I expected it to be. I kept asking Roll, a fellow wiki editor who had watched a lot of the game on YouTube, because I was in the Boo Arc, and I'm like, where's Bonyu? <laughs> <laughs> you, you can totally miss her. Yeah, the only thing was in the Ginyu Force one was they said, well, we could ask her to join, but she left because she thought our poses were stupid. And that's all they ever mentioned about her. And you know what? That's in the original V-Jump write-up, so you know everything <laughs> you need to know. All right. I thought I was uh, very interesting. Like, I uh, did not know that 21 or Mira and Toa were showing up in the game. So I was just fighting villainous enemies, and then Mira and Toa show up. I'm like, oh my, I did not know. This is a surprise to me. Oh, this good is... for you. I had that totally yeah. spoiled. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, that's that's my life. So one last thing about the side quests I want to touch on is I yeah. loved how much of the side quests dealt with characters who we really don't see much in Dragon Ball Z, if at all. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, Hachan and Namu, who show yep, up in the very yeah. end. But mm-hmm. Pilaf, uh, his crew, Lunch. There's a whole bunch of stuff with Lunch. And it's just it was so great to get to see be these like, Z versions of the characters and get to interact with people who we never see in the show. I agree. And I feel like that's where the strength of this game is. And it's really curious that none of us are talking about things like the Goku versus Frieza fight. We're talking about things like running into lunch outside Capsule Corporation. We're talking about things like running into Hachan out in the woods. We're talking about things like uh, the Crane Hermit and Tal Pai Pai running protection schemes against people. Like these are the things that jump out at me um, in my memory about this game. And I feel like already, I mean, sure, it's it's May. It's not that much 
far removed from the game, but I already feel like I'm starting to develop these rose tinted glasses about the game and they're favoring things like that because I know if I go and play the game, it's just going to be that over the shoulder arena fighter. And that's not what I'm looking for in my Dragon Ball games. It's funny. You were talking about the fetch quests in the beginning yeah, and I jumped at the chance to do something that wasn't in the original story, whether it's helping out that lady who's totally. getting attacked. Yes, yes, she's great. <laughs> yeah, I just, I loved everything that wasn't stuff we've done before. And and I think you two were doing the same. Like, I was doing it for the writing. I wasn't doing it for the gameplay because the gameplay was catch a deer. It was, you know, shake a tree. Like, there's nothing truly engaging about it. But getting the reward of that funny punchline at the end, that was enough for me. Yeah, that and um, doing some other stuff besides just the main story stuff during the story, not even just side quests. It was nice to fly around and see where places are in relation to each other in the dragon world, like whether or not this is accurate to previous like maps or anything in, in sure. the manga or anything like that. It was just neat to see, to go around and be like, oh, okay, that's where uh, the island where the Android's attack is versus like uh, in uh, relation to uh, the world tournament arena. Right. Um and there's a bunch of other little things that aren't even side quest related. If uh, like after Boo has killed everybody and you're just Goku and Vegeta and you're supposed to go do this thing. If you fly to a city, there's nobody there because everybody's dead. Yeah. Um, and if you go to like one of the food stands where you could like buy food and, and stuff, Goku complains saying like, oh, there's nobody here and I'm really hungry. I just want to buy some food. And it's just things like that. It's more of the writing. Um, but uh, sometimes part of the part of it being exploration, which uh, sure. which was neat and fun and kind of rewarding. Yeah. Yeah, I, I loved flying around Papaya Island, even though you never even fight in the tournament. <laughs> just seeing <laughs> just being there. Yeah, and mm-hmm. running into the announcer all over the world. It was so cool. Oh, that's just, oh, I forgot about him. See, you're reminding me of the things I like about this it's game. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would like to talk about the music a little bit. We had the promise of a game filled with Shunsuke Kikuchi music. And yeah, that's what we got. Supplemented by a lot of original music. Man, this is like the the Dragon Ball Kai replacement score version of a video game with Kikuchi music. Like, it's eight tracks. All right, maybe it's a little more than eight, but it was the same stuff over and over. And that, as a diehard Kikuchi fan, I needed more variety here. See, I, to me, the music was, and I don't know if it was you who put it this way or someone else on a podcast or in Discord or whatever, but it was like with Fusion's music, felt like a modern yes. take on yep. Kikuchi I felt that way about most of the music in this game being yeah, yeah. Uh, being like him or being like Yamamoto. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I, I loved all the original stuff. I just needed more variety. Yeah, I'll agree. It was nice. Uh, the new stuff felt very much inspired by if it wasn't actually done by him, uh, which was good. I, but yeah, more variety would have been nice. It would have been so neat. I don't know. To me, if there was no <laughs> new original songs, it was just here it is. Completely 100% Kikuchi score from Z, and it's just nostalgia bomb, and just have fun with it. And that would have been that would have been a cool thing. But you know, sometimes having new music is good too, and it wasn't bad. Um, it just it felt like a bait and switch to me. I don't remember any of it at this point. Uh, I'm sure if I heard it again, I'd be like, oh yeah, that was that was a good tune. But uh, it didn't stick with me as uh, a lot of the fusions music did. I found the uh, the new music in this game getting stuck in my head a lot more than the hmm. Kikuchi stuff. Like there's the one track it's called uh, impending dread and it's a Yamamoto 
to me, it sounded like a Yamamoto track and it's yeah. like, da, 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 da. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, mean, yeah. I just butchered that, but yeah. No, you did great. <laughs> Where else do you guys want to go? I mean, I only have so many other things. I didn't know you have plenty of notes, so I'm happy to take it any direction you want to go. I, I love the combat. All right. <laughs> We've talked so long. We haven't really talked about <laughs> gameplay. Uh, this is not something I liked about the game. So Ken, tell me about the combat. So, uh, I playing it's it's fast and frantic. I felt more in control of my character than I did in like a Xenoverse or a Tenkaichi games. I do agree with that. Yeah, I love that when I wanted to go do a special attack, the game slowed down like it does mm-hmm. in Final Fantasy VII Remake, so I can be mm-hmm. a little strategic. Even though, really, once you get the Genki Dama, it's just game over. You just spam that. But <laughs> that's it. Yeah, uh, I just the game ran well on my toaster of a computer, so it was just. A totally smooth experience and for me the combat felt more like uh xenoverse mixed with like supersonic warriors or legends i uh uh i i would say at the start um there's kind of a steep learning curve from when you're just out fighting uh random robots to fighting raddits and i felt like yeah, honestly yeah. the raddits fight was the highlight for me because maybe i didn't have a full grasp of the controls or i didn't have a full grasp of sure. what i was supposed to do when the enemy was telegraphing what attack they were going to do but then um it felt like i had overcome a challenge like i felt like goku I, I did it i you know i persevered and i kept on going uh the chips are or the cards are against me whatever the uh turn of phrase is <laughs> see we're all getting old. the chips <laughs> and uh yeah and i eventually did i'm like okay this is great i think i'm in my groove and then i felt like i was i was in that groove the whole time and, and there wasn't really much of a, a challenge and then yeah like you get the genki dama and it's pretty easy um i felt like characters are kind of um interchangeable like you know i would be in control of gohan i'd be in control of piccolo and mostly it came down to man i don't have the genki dama or i'm not piccolo and i don't have the you know explosive attack that just kind of hits everybody around me i will say there were some nice parts to it that uh, I did take note of, and it's like in all caps in my notes of unlike Xenoverse, you can block mid combo. Thank you. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, that always bothered me. It's it's nice to be able to find that right timing and hold it. Um, other defensive options is also nice too. Like there's that one key I shout that you kind of do and they kind of get bumped back a bit, giving you some breathing room. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah there's some small improvements here there, but yeah, I, I, I felt like it wasn't a lot of variety in there. If it was, um, you know, trying to be a fighting game without saying it is a fighting game. I felt like that was kind of a letdown. I mean, you have all of your solid techniques where it's, all right, the opponent is about to do a super move. Just do the teleport sidestep thing and then fire your own. You can consistently do that throughout the entire game. That's a surefire win. And they do the very traditional Dragon Ball fighting game thing where it's, all right, they're going to have super armor and they're just going to interrupt you. Boo is notable for this where you're just doing the fight and then the fight stops and it's interrupted for him to do the super move that he has to do at that point in the story, regardless of how your fight is going. Things like that, I feel, take away from the feeling of a fighting game and the feeling of an RPG. I It had the same issue I had with uh, some points in Final Fantasy VII Remake where I would spend the uh, the MP or in this in this point, uh, the the key to do an attack. And then, yeah, they would go into a, a cinematic move. And I'm like, well, yes. it misses them. And also now I just lost all of that exactly. energy. <laughs> That's so funny that we all played this and we all played FF7. <laughs> See, it's good that we waited. That's true. But yeah, you know, that was kind of, that was my big gripe about that. I'd like to talk about a couple of the performances in the game, uh, two specifically. Okay. Are you going to talk about Mami Koyama? Because that makes me sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So lunch, Mami Koyama. Oh, no, no, no. 
she's oh it was brutal i had to i I had to look it up to see if it was still her i was like oh man all right i mean it's on the level of joji yanami and early kai where you're like oh i'm sorry i'm i'm really sorry kind of on that same depressing level i wanted to talk about nozawa's young gohan all right interesting because i feel like i would never have thought about that I feel like with age, she's losing her vocal range to hit okay. a lot of those crying noises. Oh, okay. Sure, sure. Like young, young Gohan then. Yeah. I mean, I would okay. be playing and my wife would hear it and she'd never liked the sound of Nozawa's crying Gohan, but like this was even grating on me a little bit too. I don't remember that. Interesting. Uh, and then the second one is this is really the first, this isn't the first time we've heard her as Bulma, but this is the first time that we spent a lot of time with Aya Hisakawa as her. Sure, sure. You know what? She's, all things considered, probably one of the best replacements we ever could have gotten. I, I mean, there are times where I know it's her, but there are other times that I feel like I just lost myself in the world and the performance. It, it was totally there for me. Yeah, same thing here. I frequently forgot, like, oh, that's right. This is a replacement actress from Hiromi Tsuru. But yeah, I felt that she did a knockout job, especially with how much more dialogue we got to hear from her versus previous yeah, yeah. things like in Broly. So it was, it was, it was wild. The, yeah, there were a lot of times where I just wasn't even thinking that this yeah. was replaced. I Could I also say, I don't know that who the actor is that they've gotten to replace Joji Yanami, but I feel like he did a fantastic job, you know, giving um, voicing for Kaio as well as doing um the narration and stuff i felt like that was that was also a pretty good replacement you know i might be wrong but i felt like that was also pretty impressive to me isn't it oolong's voice actor it is yeah. is it wow okay yeah he huh. does a great job huh yeah that's that's great awesome he only had like 120 episodes of super to practice <laughs> that's that's fair um do we have anybody else uh in this game that was a first time replacement i i to be fair i have not watched a lot of uh, Kai in, in Japanese. So I'm Mr. not sure. Ryan, Mr. Satan, right? Mr. Yeah, Satan, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Was this is the first time that the, the new person was there because he, that's right. He wasn't in the Broly film, right? but it's also been uh, the previous actor just passed away in the last year. Right. I felt his Mr. Satan was definitely a noticeable replacement. It was, I mean, it was fine, but it's also, it's so tough to follow. I mean, mm. Daisuke Gori is irreplaceable. And then to go to someone like um, Unsho Ishizuka, I mean, he's also another phenomenal legendary voice actor. And you know, he was no replacement for, but was a good replacement for Gori. And now, unfortunately, I don't even remember who it was in Kahira, but it's just, it's, it's really sad uh, that we're at that point where we're losing replacement voice actors and we're getting so far removed uh it's not going to get better it's only going to get worse and that's a really unfortunate thing mm-hmm. all right now that we're all sad great. <laughs> <laughs> where else do you guys want to go here i'd like to talk about the pacing once we hit the cell arc all right so that kind of goes back to what we we're talking about earlier with the is this gonna be sign and frieza and maybe it originally was only going to be sign and frieza because yeah i mean if you're gonna do raditz taboo you expect to hit all of those story arcs and i feel like uh there were a lot of complaints about the cell arc in particular where they didn't do the blah to blah yeah trunks versus cell just never happens yeah it's uh that was one of my notes specifically was like oh man i didn't get this fight or any interaction between the two at all it was a was a real big bummer and I think would have definitely helped uh, add some stuff. I mean, 
I don't even think we even got to see Trunks do a transformation of any sort, which is also kind of a highlight of that thing. Like, you could have masked it by having their usual cut to black screen, here's some text of thing that happened. But I feel like it def- definitely could have been an issue where from the after the freeze arc, things got kind of weird. I thought Cell, Cell's pacing was stomachable. It was definitely not as good as the Cyan or Frieza stuff. It was fine. Like, like you notice those things were missing and you, and you kind of start thinking about it. Hmm, interesting. And it seemed like the variety in the side stuff was a little different there too. Yeah. And it, but once we hit boo is when it was like, oh, this was, this is tacked on. Yeah. <laughs> this is just main fights. That's all we're doing here. And then, but you know, when I think about it, that whole arc doesn't have much breathing room in it. I mean, the entire boo arc is two days, right? <laughs> It's disappointing in comparison to what came before, but what really could they have done with it? Yeah, there's not really a lot more you could have added, especially to Boo, because things are just nonstop wall to wall. Something is going on in these two days. You don't really have a lot of things to do. I mean, there is, I suppose, that time in between when Boo is uh, being told to wait so that they could train uh, Go Tanks, but. Yeah, there's not really a lot of things you could do. Yeah, I don't know. You say that, and I feel like we're always flying around finding some random little thing to do. Like Even if it's between main points, you always had the option of run into town or go find something in the cave somewhere. Yeah, I mean, the only other side area that I really found around that time was Nam's Village, which is in the same area as like, where uh, yeah. Bobbity's ship is. But yeah, there wasn't a lot new stuff added to that portion to make it feel like, okay, now we've got a lot more of areas to explore, some new things to do. Yeah. So would it have been worth it to split the game, have a Kakarot 1, Cyan Frieza, have a Kakarot 2, Selbu? What would we have gained from that? More side missions and then the Trunks fight? I think that it would have been a good idea purely because, you know, you had brought up that uh, this kind of goes on the, uh, the tangent of presentation, but um, CyberConnect 2 was very good at making everything very cinematic and, um, visually exciting in the ultimate ninja storm games and i felt that kakarot was not that at all um no it didn't live up to that yeah and even the shortcuts that they take in uh ultimate ninja storm feel like a better choice uh i was replaying four because i wanted to have a point of comparison to be like all right what was their previous big um anime license game versus this and uh in that even though when they don't have fully animated scenes they're actually just using shots from the anime and they're adding in some effects here and there to kind of make it like a um, an animatic sort of thing which was neat because it gave it a lot more life you had different camera shots um it made it easy for them to like show flashbacks of like don't you this ties into this thing from before remember and it, you know, it felt nice. It was better than just static character models standing there with their jaws flapping and or black screens that just say, and then Vegeta did this thing, but we're not going to show that to you. <laughs> Next story plot point. Um, so, I mean, me or did some of the later character models not look that great? Like, I feel like no one ever gets drunks right. I don't think Goku looks good. <laughs> yeah, I would say of all the people, Goku's face does not match any sort of art style that they were going for with the other characters. Like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just the eyes that were weird. Um, huh. But yeah. For me, it's everything from his neck up just does not look right. His hair, his nose, his eyes, his mouth, his ears, the mm-hmm. way his whole body is rigged kind of look gross a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know that they had separated the heads from the bodies in development for ease of switching out um, for outfits and things like that to make uh, rigging and animating easier. But yeah, I mean, I, I felt like the they weren't super great. 
All right. So that totally reminds me. What kind of bugs did you guys run into? Because I had some great stuff. I don't think I ran into very much at all. At least yeah, nothing that nothing. I can remember. Yeah, nothing comes to mind. The the heads, that's what reminded me here. And I did put up some some tweets about it. But like I found some guy in the woods and his face was the only thing visible of his oh. entire body. And it was horrifying, oh. but also hysterical at the same time. And I was able to line Goku up right with this other guy's face and take a screenshot. I, I remember that one now. That one did happen to me. That was amazing. <laughs> it's outside by where you catch the deer, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe that was for everyone. Uh, I feel like I ran into something else where someone was like stuck in um, some kind of like half jumping animation. Uh, I mean, some of that stuff is typical as someone who's playing, again, Red Dead 2 right now and something's always like flying off in some direction. You try to get on your horse. You accidentally punch a lady. (laughs) Yes. Great. (laughs) That was the first (laughs) like five hours of that game. All right. I feel like I keep asking, where else do you guys want to go? I'm I'm still struggling with, I, I liked this game. I, I didn't love this game. And I, ugh. can I bring up like other side things that weren't necessarily side quests, but like uh, time attack races. Did you guys ever do those? Other than when they were acquired yes, for I did, a side and quest? I, I scrubbed it from my memory because <laughs> God, I'm jumping, jumping with that stupid machine. It, it was the other of the pre-order bonuses other than the food and the, the bone you thing. It mm. was that like a uh, peaceful time with friends race thing that I did. That was the worst fucking thing in this game. Trying to line up those, like eventually I got it. Eventually I figured out how they wanted me to control that thing. And, and I kept losing sight of the markers for the next, Mm -hmm. God, I hated it. I never did that stuff outside of the times you had to do it in the story or for a side quest. I had only done it for the side quests, and I was I I saw those when I was running around on the map, and I'm like, that's something that I'm not gonna do right now. I'm gonna instead go and collect this fetch quest thing instead because that's it was a miserable experience. Yeah, exactly. And it wasn't necessarily a, a its own side game thing, but I felt like there was no risk reward for like fighting dinosaurs. Like it gives this thing of like, oh, this is dangerous, but it's like you just fly higher than they are tall and you just shoot and, and then it's done <laughs> and you get the meat i do want to go yeah. back to the the vehicles a little bit because you can collect parts and bring them back to bulimar right. and and build something you also could just never do that yeah it felt like something totally skippable and it seemed like a decent idea on paper and it feels like they did the initial draft implementation of that and they're like we got to move on to do other stuff or we got to get this yeah. thing kicked out so it didn't get the development i feel like that, i needed that's to. the thing about all of these games and i feel like I just saw they're putting in Tao Pai Pai's pillar uh, as well. And all that stuff is in Xenoverse as well, where it's like fly around on the thing. Or you could just fly because all of these characters can fly. Yeah, I would agree. That's also a bit of a bummer there that it's just, why, why bother guys? Spend the time on something else or take the time and get it done right. I upgraded my vehicles a lot and then just would never use them. <laughs> you know, I had the pieces. I'd be like, all right, what, what can I do with these? And I did the same thing like once or twice. I upgraded and said, I'm like, why am I doing this? So early on, I had talked about what would they do with the Kakarot 2? Yeah. Would they just retread this stuff or would they flesh out Super? Do they do movies? Do they do Super? Do we feel like the Z era is still the most marketable, the most bankable, and that includes just do Tella, Slug, Kula, you know, Broly, Bojack, Janemba. 
I mean, you could do a combination, do, you know, Beerus to, uh, you know, might as well say Broly, because that feels much more of an actual story continuation versus just a, a money grab sort of thing. And then Can if you want to do... get a Moro arc somewhere, please? Oh, yeah, throw that in there. But I was going to say for, like, side quests, have that be, like, the movies sort of thing. Like, I don't know, yeah. you encounter a time machine and you got to go back to pre- Super Saiyan God and, and fight Tullus, you know, do something weird and wacky. Or is that just the the hero's realm now? I mean, they're the ones exploiting those characters. I would love to see a Garlic Jr. to uh, Hildegarn where some someone on that writing staff figures out how to make those movies fit together. I'm there for <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> that would have been an interesting twist. I would have been into that. I would love to see them do Super and just flesh out that story some. Yeah, I mean, do what they did with this game to that. You're right. You're right. You just give that world a little bit. But but where is the world? I mean, you go to the six versus seven tournament. That's a very individual select location. Uh, and then the jump into the past and the present for the Trunks arc. I don't know. What, how would you do there? Do you just run around and help people in the future, like start their fires? You'd have to basically rewrite the entire story. You would, I which, guess, yeah. Hey, that could work. Right. That's a good uh, way to do it. It's a way to spin it. Hey, it's that story that you like, but we made it just that much better. I don't know. I wouldn't hate it for it to be a retread. That would be a bit of a bummer uh, to do that. A lot more we could talk about, but we also have a ton of tweets from people uh, with their input. So I'm going to jump over to this now and we'll see how much we get out of this. And then if there's anything else you guys want to contribute before we wrap it up, I think that's how I'm going to flow this here, if you don't mind. So we got so many. I, I can't read all of these. And some of these we've actually already addressed. So uh, just know that I, I did read your comment and I acknowledge your comment. Um, and we have already acknowledged your comment here. So AGM here says it's a solid adventure that you can enjoy from beginning to end and has the feeling of Dragon Ball Z's story with its little twists here and there. Probably the opposite of fighters on how it manages to be a good game. So if you love fighters, you might not like this one. I think this is an interesting comment because uh, I've always held up about 2005, 2006, uh, the PS2 kind of like tail end era there as no matter what kind of fighting game you were into dragon ball had something for you there you had things like budokai 3 and infinite world you had sparking meteor and you had super dbz and then especially if you went on to the handhelds you had a variety of gaming experiences i feel like we're we're sort of like that right now where we have now Kakarot, we have Fighters, uh, we still have Xenoverse 2, which we thought was dead and is not quite dead. <laughs> We're getting one more character in that game. And I suppose we have Jump Force as well. Uh, there are a variety of gameplay experiences and, and you can really find uh, your particular niche there. As someone who's really into narrative experiences, this was the Dragon Ball game for me. That makes sense. Yeah, I'm also into narrative experiences, but at the same time, if I'm trying to think of what game am I going to come back to uh, down the road, it's probably not Kakarot. I don't see myself doing a replay of this in a few years to be like, oh yeah, that was a good experience. Let's try that again. I feel like I got it what I wanted out of there and that's done. I agree. Like if I'm going to replay the story, I'll just wait for whatever that generation's game is to re-experience that story. Uh, all right. So from YouTube official says <laughs> somewhat of a fun, <laughs> somewhat of a fun game, but the experience was not as exciting because I've seen the story just too many times. I'll still rewatch certain arcs even to this day. Maybe if this was done years ago, it would probably be more enjoyable for me, but honestly, I would prefer to play the DBS story. Uh, so I think that's kind of fitting in with uh, my experience. They were like, I've done this before. And if I'm going to, to play the story 
give me a, a newer story that I haven't played through before? See, I just feel that if we had gotten super first, we would be thinking, man, why couldn't they do this with Z? Yeah. You know, I, I had this thought too when I was going back to playing uh, the Naruto games is that I felt that if somebody had asked me at some point of, hey, I want to get into the Naruto story, what's a good way to to digest this? Yeah, and I this would honestly say, yeah, if you wanted to experience it, read the manga. If you don't want to read the manga, instead of watching the anime, which has a lot of, lot of fluff that you have to get through, play the Ultimate Ninja Storm games. There's four of them. They're a good time. And you're going to get pretty much the entire meat of the story from beginning to end. And Kakarot, I don't think I could t- say that to somebody. It took me 50 hours. You could watch... Uh, up to like where the androids show up. If you just wanted to watch the anime instead, you could, or if you had Kai, you could get even further. Um, I would, you know, I wouldn't recommend that. That's, which is a bummer. Not to advocate for people only experiencing Kakarot as the way to absorb the story. But I think of any Dragon Ball Z game so far, this is the best option for that. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I would say the same. All right, so here's a good friend of the site, Kieran. I typically have Kieran on to talk about video games, but, you know, spreading the love a little bit. Kieran, I would love to have you back on to talk about uh, recent fighters stuff. I think, Randy, you wanted to talk about fighters as well, so consider this the invite extended. Kieran says, I can feel the love in it. It has some problems, but the feeling of walking to Satan City from Goku's house was incredible. Being able to explore the world that I always admired from the Budokai 3 overworld Seeing working traffic lights, I loved it. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I'll agree. That was definitely probably the enjoyable part was kind of walking around and living in that world. Even though if I didn't think it was a stellar game, I still enjoyed my time with it. You know, I, I voluntarily put 50 hours into it over the past like three <laughs> weeks. So I think right. that says enough, right? It felt like a real world, which is why I was okay with doing fetch quests after fetch quest because I liked being in that world. And is it also just because we're so into this franchise, like we really know this world. So like it, it meant something more to us to, to do that traversal. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. I'm going to read two comments here that are kind of slightly related. Uh, Caleb exists. Says, <laughs> some great you, names. Exist, Caleb. <laughs> you can tell there's a lot of love, but I wish they had gone with a combat system that felt more Dragon Ball-y. Combat gets repetitive a bit over time. Still waiting on my series length turn-based Dragon Ball RPG. Oh, and just that's to follow the dream. Up on that, uh, she says worth playing for the soundtrack alone, but the gameplay doesn't set itself apart well. It feels more like a simulation of an ARPG than does an actual ARPG. You know, actually, just to build onto that, actually, I suppose extending off of that. And maybe even going further, uh, Noah says a decent game weighed down by bloated overworld explanation, maybe exploration and tedious repetitive combat. Exploring varied from interesting to not fun at all. I felt no motivation to explore one of my favorite fictional worlds. So, wow, going head to head with Kieran on this here. Well, I, I think both can kind of be right. This kind of, uh, like sure. you said at the beginning, this is the Goku experience or Gohan experience, I think is better. But you're simulating being a scion. I mean, it can be, you were looking forward to, you might've had higher expectations. And then when it doesn't meet that, you're kind of a bit bummed about it. I went into it knowing like, eh, it's an average experience. And if you're a Dragon Ball fan, you'll find something to love about it. And I like to think that I'm a Dragon Ball fan. So, uh, you know, I definitely enjoyed what I did. It wasn't super great, but I enjoyed it because it was a labor of love for a series that I love. There was a lot of things to see that was like, oh, I recognize that. That's a reference to this, or that's pulling from from this source material. This is, this is great. So I think it comes down to what sort of expectations you had going into it. 
and on that note, I think my expectations were bottomed out when I yeah, started this well, game. Well, you went into it that way, exactly. So I think you got real surprised with it. Yeah, which I think is coming across in how much I loved it. I like Jamie's comment here. This is remind again. This this is great because it reminded me of something. Uh, you can feel the love in some scenes, like Raccoon's ultra fighting bomber, but you can tell the game was rushed when we just don't see some iconic moments, like the final flash. Combat is repetitive, and I hear Goku saying, "It's my turn now." In my nightmares, something we didn't talk about was the traversal and the running into the random opponents. I say random. Uh, eventually, you can overlevel them and run through them, but even then, you still end up fighting them. Sometimes I felt like I just wanted to get to the next place and the game fought me every step of the way and you would have to do the equivalent of the random encounters. Again, like it it wants to pretend it's an RPG and it gives you these faux random encounters and those got that's the tedium that I think people are talking about here. That's actually one of the things that I have written down in my notes was there there would be times where there would be an item that I would need and I would yes. sense that there was a group oh. of guys right above it and I'd try to like yep. sneak in there and get it. It was nice that they at least included the mechanic of once your five levels are higher, you just go through and they just like, you know, get smacked out of the way, it just says finish and that's over. Um, but I felt like sometimes depending on how the story was going and how it would just auto level you, you were four levels higher. So like, no, you still got to stop and fight these guys. And if it was like a turn-based RPG, I could just mindlessly tap X and just be like, all right, cool. I, you know, went through uh, my basic attack and I took them out and that's done. But since it's a action RPG, like I've got to stay engaged and I've got to invest the time into actually fighting these. So it was a little exhaustive and maybe I should have taken uh, Ken's uh, more stealthy move and try to sneak in (laughs) instead of uh, going in fists of blazing um but but yeah you know i asked for concise tweets here and i just want to read two of these extremely concise tweets uh trash opinions says rushed and desire says garbage game so you know what thank you for your feedback i appreciate that i want to acknowledge you out there that uh respond appropriately to what we ask for uh there's some i asked for single tweets and some people broke that with three and then there's someone else who broke the rules and responded not just with a full tweet but then also a text pad document with <laughs> incredible depth <laughs> on what they're saying like that's not the spirit that. of what i asked for <laughs> i do admire it but that uh that goes against the spirit here Nathan Smith says, as someone who hasn't read or watched the Z section of Dragon Ball in about a decade, playing Kakarot sated my itch of wanting to experience that story again in a mostly satisfying way. It's not polished, but it's solid and the affection the developers have for Dragon Ball shines through. I think that speaks to what we were talking about before. Uh, kind of going along with this. Um, is it Thick Boy Eze? Easy? <laughs> <laughs> Always wanted a Dragon Ball story based game with the treatment of a triple A. But uh, it always seemed too ambitious, and it was. The game looks like a fan-made game most of the time. Uh, the score had so much potential, but it never tapped at least 20% of it. Always made me want to rewatch Dragon Ball Z instead. Ooh, interesting. You know, one thing, when I'm playing a new, a new game franchise under Dragon Ball for the first time, I try to keep in mind that... Whenever they make a sequel or the a threequel to it, that is going to be so much better because I hated Tenkaichi 1. I thought it was – I threw my That's controller awful. playing it's that awful. game, one of only so two bad. games I've done that with. But I felt by the time they got to Tenkaichi 3, you know, th- this combat was in a groove and it was moving at a nice pace. And I think that we'll get that with the inevitable Kakarot 3. I do want to mention this uh, from Mashpee here. I thought it wasn't very polished. The combat was shallow. We've talked about that. Tinkering with the community board was about the only thing I really liked. We didn't talk about that at all. Another one of the uh, extremely extraneous 
uh, forgettable extra RPG elements here where it's give yourself some bonuses and throw more characters and relationships on there. You know, you put these three together and you, you form a cool little trio and they give you a, a bonus on top of the bonus. It, none of it was necessary. Uh, I guess you could say that about a lot of things in games. Like you don't really need to craft all the extra potions. Um, for some reason, it just felt egregious in the Dragon Ball game to me. I felt a, I, or I spent a lot of time on that community board. I did at the start, but towards the latter portion, I was like, I don't care. Like I, I got so many in one go. Like I think it was by the time that I uh, revived the Ginyu Force. Um, and they gave me, you know, four of these emblems. I'm like, cool. I don't even want to try to figure out what's the best way to do this moving on. And in, it, it was, yeah, that I, I didn't much enjoy. We didn't even talk about resurrecting enemies with the Dragon Balls. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> You're so excited and, and about it. And if you it. do it at the wrong point in the story that you can't actually do it? Oh, yeah, I didn't know right. that. Right. <laughs> there was one, I think I was Gohan, and I revived... Raditz. I went over to fight Raditz and he would he would only fight Piccolo. And I'm like, well, he's not around right now. Oh, that's so right. that's I don't right. I don't have an option to, to do that. I thought the writing in those parts was like a fanboy dream. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm going to end it here. This is negative, but, you know, sometimes it goes that way. Uh, yeah. I get. Let's see if I can read this, this person's name. Uh it's probably Alejandro's. Uh, th- there's a lot here. Uh, if the game had nothing to do with Dragon Ball Z, people would see just how bad it is. The game tries to do many things, RPG, fights, etc. It's bad in all those aspects. Only good things are uh, certain cutscenes. And the reason I want to end there is because we've talked how much we like, again, everything else other than uh, some of us like some elements of the gameplay, but it was the rest of the package here. And I think it's incredibly cliche and hack to say this, but it's um, greater than the sum of its parts. Absolutely. Yeah, I would agree there. We can't leave it there because that's like no. the worst thing you can possibly say. And <laughs> fans of the genre will enjoy Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. Let's, let's put it this way. Um, I suppose it, it might not be saying a lot. I'm kind of a screenshot fiend. I'm always hitting that capture button. Oh my God. I took um, so many, but again, Ken and I were doing it for <laughs> documentation. <laughs> I was doing it just because I'm like, this looks neat, or this is a neat like writing moment or a gag, and I just got to save it. Um, my current album for Kakarot screenshots is at 635. Damn, so, son. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I'm a screenshot fiend, but I, I enjoyed it enough, and I thought that there was a lot of really cool moments, and like, I got, I want that, like either as a wallpaper or just to come back and look at it again later and just like really take a look at what they had done. So, I mean... There's a lot to enjoy here. I would say that it's got flaws. Absolutely. It's definitely not the most polished experience you're going to get, but I sunk 50 hours into it and I don't regret it. So there's that. You also got it on sale. And I think that's probably the way to go. I don't think I got my $60 worth of enjoyment out of Mm. the game. Um, Kim, what were you going to say? Yeah, well, on that note, I think in comparison to like near 100 hours I put into both Red Dead Redemption 2 and Death Stranding... You know, I finished Kakarot at about 42 hours, doing a ton of the side stuff, not all of it, and getting Goku up to level 97. Um, so yeah, I, it's a weird area to talk about how much a game is worth, but it is something I can recommend getting on sale. A lot of, I mean, after you beat the story, the, the world's open to you, and it's a lot of just grinding up and doing the villainous enemies, right? I mean, I, I suppose you can go do some of the side stories 
and we have the time machine now, so you can actually go back and and do some of those side missions you missed. That was a, a post game edition, uh, and now we're also into the world of DLC. Have any of us played any of the DLC? I think we talked about this earlier, but no. Yeah, no, I did not. I considered it, but uh, I've already moved on to another game. I got to the end of the Boo Arc, and I could do everything else. I'm like, cool. I'll probably come back to this in a week or so. But yeah, I haven't touched anything else since. Yeah, when I dropped it, like that was it. I dropped it, and I, I just didn't feel the like. I would love to see Miron Toa, I, I suppose, but like, mm, I'm done. The DLC is just fighting Beerus, right? At least right now. Uh, that's all I've seen. Guy. But that's that's <laughs> all that YouTube has been. Uh, people that I follow is like, here's the really cool Super Saiyan God versus Beerus fight. I'm like, all right. I mean, I know that it's super high level. Like, you have to get up to like 150 to like fight Beerus or something. And you definitely yeah, don't end the game anywhere near there. So yeah, it'd be, I feel like it'd be just a grind to get to that point. So I don't know. I'm not super interested, but maybe later if it, if it's on sale. I think there's a bigger DLC coming as part of the season pass. And so maybe once that is out, I'll look into this. Yeah, especially if they give you like an item boost, because I'm not going to grind my way up <laughs> to do any of this stuff. Like, I'm just not. It's lucky it's still installed on the system right now, honestly. <laughs> we've given a lot of recommendations uh we had some caveats in there as well uh overall i feel like we were mostly positive on the game but in certain aspects like the the writing the story uh we had some problems with the presentation uh some problems with the condensed nature of some of the later development it seems uh it's a uh, I think it's a tough recommendation. Uh, I think if you're a Dragon Ball fan that's going to play everything anyway, uh, they already have your money. So, like, there's no point in us recommending this game to you in May going on June at this point. I think if you haven't played it and you also have not played a Raditz to story in a long time, you're, you're probably going to get a real big kick out of it. I think if you're an Expanded Universe fan, uh, in particular someone who... Uh, lands more on the Toriyama side as opposed to the Dragon Ball Hero side where everyone has three outfits and longer hair and there's a demon army, like that kind of thing. If you're not into that, if you're more into the slapsticky and we're bringing these characters back, um, this game has you covered. Uh, I got a lot out of it in that respect. This was a game where my expectations were, couldn't have been lower and it turned into an experience that I not just liked, but absolutely adored. I'm not quite there with you, but um, I'm like, I'm like 70% of the way there with you. <laughs> Randy, how about you? Uh, I was just going to make a dumb joke and say they got Goku's expression right after he defeats Frieza. So A plus for that uh, gives it for effort there. So the look in the eyes. Yep, exactly. You got That's that a right. Tough one to get. It is. And it's a, it's a nice gut punch. It makes you feel feelings. So it's good. All right. So what are the words you would use to describe that scene? That look, <sighs> those eyes forlorn regret and remorse there you go all right we've been talking for a while we had a lot of our thoughts thank you so much everyone for tweeting your thoughts at us i didn't give you a whole lot of time but we got a ton i couldn't read them all but i very much appreciate it uh that's at consensu on twitter that we took those from so be on the lookout there uh randy how you doing how are things going what you got going on anything you want to plug tell people about 
You know, I don't have a lot going on. Not really a lot of stuff to plug. I mean, I'm on Twitter at Saber underscore Breaker, and I tweet some things here and there. Uh, I draw, so there's stuff that gets thrown out there if you want to see. Artwork is fantastic. Both, you know what? I mentioned, you guys previously have both been on the podcast, previously have done game streaming. Uh, Both amazing artists as well. Oh, Mike. Oh, my heart is full. Thank you. I can't draw, so (laughs) (laughs) I bring nothing to the table here. In fact... That's how I feel about most of the podcast episodes I do. It's like, I'm just bringing in people to tell me good things. Uh, Ken, so I go over to you. Uh, what you got going on? How are you, man? Uh, I'm good. I've been doing a lot of wiki work, trying to finish up the Frieza organization page, um, diving into We need, we need to games. do a topic all about that because you and I need to talk about names and documentation and conflicting stuff for this army. It is a nightmare. Yeah, and it's how do I give you a brief description of a random recolor of Apul. But that's, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Just more wiki work and working from home, still in coronavirus mode, you know? Uh, yep, we all are. Uh, how are we all doing? I'm doing sane, um, healthy. I mean, I'm kind of a homebody anyway, but there are some places that I like to go. So that's kind of a bummer. But you know what? It's, uh, it's for the greater good. So just kind of kind of deal with it. Yeah, I miss sushi. Other than that, I'm good. It's tough. I mean, I feel like it's it's been a long while at this point. We're definitely at the point where, unfortunately, some people are bored by this now and they feel like it's not a thing anymore. Um, and we're going to have some definite fallout from that in the future. I just want everyone to know that um, I'm thinking of you. Uh, I'm here for you. Anyone ever wants to talk, uh, the podcast is... Yes, that, but um, for all the people listening out there as well, uh, we're thinking of you. Uh, I hope the podcast brings uh, something to you, whether that's, even if it's anger, even if you're just angry (laughs) about everything that we said, uh, I hope you feel that emotion. Uh, And and please feel free to write in and let us know uh, everything you have to say. Uh, Ken, you didn't give us your Twitter. Do you want to? Yeah, it's twitter.com slash detectivex. So you can hit up Randy, you can hit up Ken, hit up myself, Vegito EX, uh, and also Consensu as a whole. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me here on the podcast to talk about, again, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, developed by CyberConnect2 for Bandai Namco, available now on the PlayStation 4, the Xbox One, and the PC. I get nothing for mentioning any of this. I just feel like uh, there are a lot of times I'm listening to things and I'm like, what game are they even talking about? And obviously this is a single topic about a single game. So hopefully you've figured out what we're talking about. But I feel like maybe you joined us late. How do you join us late? It's a podcast. You start from the beginning. We talked about Kakarot. That's it. It's been a long time since I've done a podcast. So I don't remember how to do this. That's the end of our topic. Thank you, everyone. Thank you once again to Ken and Randy joining me to talk about Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. Uh, we didn't really talk about the title of the video game there. Uh, we did talk a little bit briefly about how it's more of a Gohan game than a Goku game, uh, but the name Kakarot for a game, uh, kind of bad. Anyway, so what has been going on here at Kanzenshu East Coast Headquarters? A uh, big thing over the last couple of weeks has been cleaning and sorting all of the old fandom stuff crap (laughs) here uh fan subs have been organized old syndication tapes have been mostly found it's been a good time uh there's a lot to talk about there i'm thinking about doing a i don't know a stuff we dug up 
podcast episode, maybe live, maybe not. Stay tuned on that. We may just talk about things. It's much easier to uh, produce <laughs> an audio podcast uh, as an audio podcast than to try to do it as a video. But for now, just check out the post on the main page of Konzenshu. Yes, Konzenshu uh, is not a forum. Konzenshu is not a podcast. Konzenshu is not a wiki. It is a, a website that has or will have <laughs> all of those things. Check the main page, konzenshu.com, uh, for the post that I did there about the swapped episode title from episode 51 of Funimation's original English dub from 1996 to 1998 as it aired in syndication. Very cool stuff. Nothing groundbreaking, nothing super interesting, but I think it's just a cool little tidbit and it was fun to dig it up and see and prove to myself that my memory was mostly correct. Otherwise, wiki work continues as always. Uh, I don't know if you like hearing about it when you can't read it. I assume you do. No one's really told us otherwise. Uh, we like talking about it. So we'll have editors back on to talk about things very soon. In particular, I want to chat with Ken about dumb Frieza soldier names, particularly in video games. Uh, I want to chat with Jay about his Budokai 1 hacking awesomeness and insanity. Uh, and I want to chat with Therese about manga history. She has been living with me back in 1998, the entire history of uh, this is English language release of the Dragon Ball manga. A lot to talk about there. Uh, other than that, unrelated to the wiki, but Heath actually just gave me a V-Jump page number assignment, uh, and he's the real boss, so I got to get to work on that. So I will see you next time. I have been Mike for all those cool folks, everyone here on the show, everyone I mentioned, Julian as well, www.kanzenshuu.com. That is konzenshu.com. Uh, thank you very much. This was 481. See you next time for 482. Check you later. Bye-bye.